720 WGN. Been looking forward to this conversation. Dr. Jeffrey Copen is the medical, medical director, chief medical officer, Northwestern Medicine at Lake Forest Hospital. We had the doctor on about two months ago with myself and Andy Mazur. Kevin, this is your first time talking to Dr. Copen. Please uh, show utmost respect. He is one of the most amazing medical people that's ever been on this program. Thank you, doctor, for being on, by the way. We appreciate it. Uh, good afternoon. Good evening, Commissioner Carmen. It's good to talk to you. So, I, I, Kevin, it's nice to meet you. You as well, doctor. So, so doc, doc, we, I, I need a plan here. I don't know. I, apparently, you've been listening. Thank you so much. We've got 28 positive tests at Clemson University. The University of Houston, they suspended their voluntary workouts after six student-athletes tested positive. The NHL is trying to get to Phase 3, but they've got 14 players who have tested positive for COVID. The Lightning shutting down their training facility. You've got uh, then, then you get to baseball, and you've got eight Philadelphia Phillies, five players and three in, their, in, in the front offices over there, and on and on and on and on. The Blue Jays up the road here, shutting down their, spring, their facility in Dunedin, Florida, which is right by there. So, number one, I, is any of this surprising to you? And number two, where do you think we go from here? If you, if you were the commissioner, Dr. Copen, what would you do? Yeah. I wish I had the the perfect answers. I don't. First of all, I'm not surprised. Um, this is a highly infectious virus. I think we all know that. Um, that's the experience that we've had over the last several months all over the world. It's a highly infectious virus. And we know that the virus can be transmitted with relative ease when people are close together. Now, we don't know any of the details of the Clemson football players. Um, but I got to believe a bunch of college kids and a football team likely were pretty close together. And that's probably the explanation. Um, so I'm not surprised. The what to do about it, I think, first of all, we have to look to Europe right now. Um, you guys know for sure that the professional soccer leagues in Europe the Bundesliga in Germany, La Liga in Spain, and as of this Wednesday, past Wednesday evening, Premier League in Britain have all started their seasons. With fans, um, too, in some places. Good, keep uh, no, not in the Premier League. There's no fans. Oh, not in the Premier League, um, correct, but uh, yeah. Australian rules. Football has some fans. Anyway, continue on. I'm sorry, Doctor. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the soccer leagues are avoiding fans. Now, Australia is a different situation. We could talk about that later if you'd like. Um, so it can be done. They, too, have had positive players and staff. Um, but with frequent testing and taking the, um, the kind of the Commissioner Carmen strategy that you described before, they've been able to play games. Um, I fully expect there will be additional infected players down the line um we're putting a lot of folks in close quarters but they're taking all the right um, precautions over there so i i know that the american sports leagues have been watching closely what's going on in europe but the fact that we have the european teams playing we have the asian teams playing taiwan um japan there's there's a lot to learn because they're ahead of us one of the, um, I mean, basketball and football, the amount of physical contact involved in both of those sports, it's so much different than soccer. I mean, you're going to back a guy down in the paint in basketball, 
you're going to sweat on each other. Do do you think without? Well, let me ask you this question first, Doctor. Can you just fill us in where we stand on on uh, a vaccine or any sort of actual medical treatments to COVID nineteen and testing for those sorts of things and where we are um, on potentially getting a vaccine or anything else? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I I just want to say I heard Kyle in his car before, and I. I love his enthusiasm, and he's obviously well-informed, um, but we have a ways to go. Um, now, first, the good news. It's six weeks, Mark, since I was on the show, and there's a lot of good news since the six weeks. We all know that. We're in, we're in Illinois' phase three of reopening, right? We can go out now. There are restaurants that we can go to, though. The mayor just opened up the lake, the lakefront, um, you know, thank goodness. So we, we can be out and about. Six weeks ago, we were all hunkered down at home. So that, that's great news. In terms of vaccines, um, vaccines are being developed. There's a number of laboratories in different places around the world that are making good progress. Um, Kyle is correct. Starting next month, we're going to start phase three trials. Um, there's a company called Moderna here in the United States working together with our National Institutes of Health. Um, there's a lot of optimism on their vaccine, but it's a phase three trial that they have to get through. And even though some very cool, innovative techniques are being used to speed the testing process, it's still going to be it's still going to be a matter of a couple of months before we even get the early results to know if the vaccine is effective, and most importantly, is it safe. Then we have to go through the manufacturing process, and that's going to take a long time. So I don't see that we're going to have a vaccine to impact the upcoming NHL season or the NBA season, the NFL. We're just not going to have a vaccine in time in 2020. But I I, I, the last time I was on the show, I said it would be a pleasant surprise if we have a vaccine by the end of the year. I'll stick to that. But I, I fully believe that if not by the end of 2020, by sometime early 2021, we will have a vaccine available. So that's important. And that, that is coming. Well, that was, that was, uh, that felt good. End of 2021. I mean, look, I'll, I'd sign up for that right now if you told me that we will have by the end of 2021 there will be a vaccine and we can we definitely have at least a point in time where we can move forward. I would, I would actually check that box and end say of 2020, yes. 2020, I believe the doctor. Did you say end of 20? Yeah, by the end, of, I think in early 2021. If not by the okay. end of 2020, even so better. Let's hope so. You know, let's hope so. I mean, this is you know we have to remember we've never had an effective vaccine against the coronavirus. So this will be a big breakthrough, a big scientific breakthrough to to develop such a thing. Uh, but we got a, re- a lot of really smart people working on this um, feverishly around the world. So there's a lot of reason to be optimistic on vaccine. Okay, so let, let's talk about the people that are that have the coronavirus. They're asymptomatic, and let's put that into a sports term, right? You. You whatever you come in contact with the coronavirus. Let's say it's for college football. You come in contact on a Friday. Okay, maybe they went out to dinner. Somebody breathed on you. You have it. You have no symptoms. The next day you take a test, doctor. Are you for sure going to test positive at that point? Or in theory, could you be playing the game the next day, have it, 
the test is negative, you don't feel anything, and then you might in the process basically infect everybody on your team and the other team. Is that a possibility? Well, I think the the possibility of that player being infected, not knowing it, and then having the possibility of him or her transmitting the virus to other people, yes, that's true. It wouldn't be everybody, but certainly it could be some of the people that athlete came in contact with. So that makes it very dicey to get on the field. Am I right here? I mean, that just that feels. I, I don't. I, there's so, there's nothing you can really yeah, do, right? Yeah, I, I would say you know it depends. What's the goal, right? If the goal is we want to be able to get the athletes together so they can practice and play with zero possibility of somebody getting infected. That's very, very difficult. And I I think you probably saw that Dr. Fauci made a statement on CNN this week about the NFL saying that he doubts that that can happen outside of a bubble along the lines of what the NBA looks to be doing. Um, And I, I think that's probably right. So if the goal is to do everything possible to keep the infection rate at zero, Short of sequestering all the players, coaches, and other personnel, including um, Mark Carmen, if he's going to be covering it, in in a bubble, you know, some big resort somewhere. I, I don't know how you can even come close to guaranteeing no infection. There are a lot of empty resorts out there right I, now across the country. For the record, the, the world team tennis is playing in, in, in Wintergreen, West Virginia. Hey, Carm, I was thinking at, of you. At the Greenbrier. I've killed to go and cover that, and I'm all in on covering the NBA. And the U.S. Open's going down in right. New York. And like cuts I, right up your alley, Carm. I, I, listen, Did you volunteer? I know being a ball boy at the, at the hey, U.S. Open. So, see? Carm and I have been talking about this for years, Doc. He's, his dream is to, to serve as, as a ball boy at one of the major tennis I, tournaments, I mean, I would specifically do the U.S. Open. This is your opportunity, Carm. You can double as a reporter and a ball player. If I'm the U.S. Open, though. I'm... Armin, do you look that good in tennis shorts? That's the to know that. It, it'd be a stretch, Doctor, but I think, you know, most I mostly could pull it off. Dr. Jeffrey Copin, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Medicine, Lake Forest Hospital, with us here on 720 WGNKP. What do you got? We were talking about college football earlier, Doc, and look, in part of this conversation, the people will at least make the case that, well, they're professional athletes. If we're going to talk about MLB, I mean, they're getting paid handsomely. They're getting all of the best treatment they possibly can get. They're getting tested. They're, um, they have doctors readily available. And that is the, the case for some college football programs. But it comes down to the fact they're not getting paid. And if there aren't students on campuses, I'm sure it's going to be different per state, per per university, per college. But doesn't that bring up a whole other conversation? If, if there's no students on campus, how could they possibly ask the college football players to come play? Because then it's essentially just, in a way, a pro, pro professional sports. They're just televising it for broadcast yeah, rights, and, right? And I'm curious, like, can, can, can you see colleges getting through a semester with what's going on here, Doctor? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think we all saw the announcement that U of I plans to hold um, school down in Champaign-Urbana um, starting this fall, 51,000 students. Uh, it's, 
you know, it's a pretty gutsy move. I know they've spent a lot of time um, working out how they can do this safely. Um, I'm sure they can pull off the classes safely. Well, 51,000 students trying to keep physically distant on a campus on a Saturday night. I don't know so much about that. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a really interesting exper- experiment that's going to be going, all, going on all over the country this fall. Um, in colleges and universities. Regarding the um, the athletes, yeah, I think there's a real ethical question that needs to be dealt with. Um, I can leave that for the ethicists, but I certainly agree with you, Kevin, that it's something that it has to be brought into consideration. You know, safety is the number one priority. There really is nothing else. If you can't get past the safety question, then let's not talk about doing something. Um, And I don't know that with our athletes we can guarantee them safety. And that's what my colleagues at at Northwestern who are involved with the um, athletic department are trying to think through right now. Can they create a safe environment for for our college athletes? We'll see. You know, we'll see. I, um, you know, two points I just want to bring up. One is, remember, a lot of what we're talking about is also contingent on state and local health authorities. So when we go to phase four of Reopen Illinois next week, according to the rules, we can't have more than 50 people together in one location, 50, five, zero. So that, that has to be brought into consideration. And we know that different states and jurisdictions have other rules. So let, let's, you know, let's remember that. And the other thing I would say, and I know we're getting close to the end of our time, um, the NFL came out with a 113-page manual, I understand. I read about that this week. Um, John Harbaugh, the Ravens coach, we all know he's pretty outspoken. He took one look at that manual and said, there's no human way that we can do this. Right. That was his initial response. and. You know, I think we have to listen to these guys and, you know, what they have to say. This is very, very complicated. It's it's not simple. I think we will have some sports during the fall. But I think for the professional league, short of trying to bubble, it's going to be very, very difficult. Hey, Doctor, one last question, because I was reading through some reports about the NBA's plan, and there was talks of wearable technology and actual, like, smart ring they're giving players that can – allegedly they said up to 90. I kind of rolled my eyes when I read about it, but it said that it, it was a ring they wear and it can help detect symptoms of COVID-19. It, it, is there anything you can tell us about that? Is there any legitimacy to that? Yeah, you know, I don't know about the ring, but there's been a lot of work done in various wearable technologies that would signal to a person that he or she might have the symptoms of COVID-19. So, yes. There's a lot of work going on in in that kind of technology. However, as you guys point out, that doesn't do anything for either the asymptomatic or what we call pre-symptomatic person who could be transmitting the virus to other people. I think I feel better after this conversation, Doctor. I feel better. Doc is kind of calling me a little bit. I mean... Bottom line is that we love having you on, Doctor. So, so thank you for taking time. So, and- Commissioner Carmen, when you actually take over Major League Baseball, 
I'd be happy to serve as your chief medical officer. <laughs> Wouldn't you prefer that I was running baseball, honestly? I mean, with all due respect to... I think we can make it happen, but yeah. I don't know what we're going to do about the negotiations uh, over salary. Uh, I'll tell you what yeah. we're going to do. Professional we're, baseball. We're going we're gonna to split the middle, and I'm going to tell the owners to buck up, and we're going to play 65 games, and we're going to be done with it. That's what we're going to do. For whatever right, you call on me, dude, I'm ready to go. Moments <laughs> Doctor Jeffrey Cope, and Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Medicine, Lake Forest Hospital. Thanks for being on, Doc. Let's let's talk again soon. Right, you guys have a good evening. Bye bye. Thanks so much, Doctor Copen, with us. Uh, look, well, well, there's there's a lot we can follow up on there, and the John Harbaugh thing is is a very. It, I'm glad that he brought that up because well, I had, I had it in my notes here. And, and, and to the doctor's point, which is John Harbaugh's point, again, we can roll out a plan and guidelines. How are we going to execute everything that's within these guidelines? Right, and that's... I appreciate the optimism and uh, that the leagues may have, and I think it's smart that they have detailed plans, but still got to execute it. Let's get a check of news. You get, you know, get some calls in here coming on back three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred Sports Central till ten seven twenty WGN.